This episode of Systematic is brought to you by PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile. PDF Pen Scan Plus gives you the magic powers of scanning and OCR wherever you have your iPhone or iPad. Point your iPhone or iPad camera at a document, receipt, or business card, basically anything with text. And without tapping anything, PDF Pen Scan Plus takes a scan, auto-crops it, and gives you a PDF that's ready to edit. The built-in OCR gives you searchable and shareable PDFs right on your iPhone or iPad, and you can automatically upload it to iCloud or Dropbox so that your scans are available on all your devices. PDF Pen Scan Plus is $6.99 in the U.S., and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone is $19.99. You can save over 20% by getting them both in the PDF Business Kit Bundle Support the show by going to smilesoftware.com systematic to learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Scan Plus. The best scanner is the one that's with you, so grab PDF Pen Scan Plus from the App Store today. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week, once again, is Merlin Mann. In case you don't know, he's a podcaster, a man about the internet, and an attractive nuisance. How's it going, Merlin? It's great, Brett. How are you? It's I, I'm I am. It's sunny, and it's the perfect temperature, like seventy three here, and I am I'm ecstatic. Wow, I didn't know it got that high there. Are you kidding? It gets like over a hundred in the summer, a hundred oh. with like ninety eight percent humidity. Ugh. Minnesota sucks pretty much year round. You get like, but you get that like the pivot day where it's kind of switching over. This is this is the one of two weeks. There's another one of these weeks in the fall, mm-hmm. and they're they're perfect. Oh. Just in time for it's Memorial Day coming up, right? Yeah, you can, you can go swimming. Yeah, so that's when the pool opens. We have ten thousand lakes. Oh, that's true. I would pick one or two you really like, though. That's a productivity tip. <laughs> I remember back in Ohio when I was a kid. I was probably ten or eleven, and my my uh, best friend's family had just gotten an above ground pool. Super classy. And, uh, and we were, because they got in this pool, and we were determined to swim on Memorial Day weekend. And for whatever reason, it was still pretty cool in Cincinnati that weekend. And I think the water was in the 50s, which doesn't sound that cold. But getting into a swimming pool that's like in the 50s or even in the low 60s, it's so much colder than you think. It was miserable. We we're like three shriveled little kids. It was the worst. Was it miserable after the first five minutes, though? You know, I'm such a wuss. I, I, you know, I, I, my daughter is so much better at jumping into a cold pool than I am. She's like, fine, come on in, it's fine. I was like, eh, it's not fine. Jumping in is the hardest part. This never, hurts my pants. never dip your toes. Just no, I jump know. In. You know what? That's that's two productivity trip to, uh, tricks. We could just close <laughs> it up right now. If this were a productivity show, we'd be mm-hmm. done. We could, you could do life hacking. We can do growth hacking. Mark, <laughs> markdown hacking, pencil hacking, shuttle hacking. I have so many things to talk to you about. Uh, shuttle well, hacker, shuttle hacker. I I didn't actually prepare any specific questions for you because these conversations tend to be very organic and far more entertaining that way. Oh, do you want me to interview you? I've got questions for you. Go ahead, ask me a question. Okay. Hi, I'm here with uh, Brett Terpstra, uh, attractive nuisance, uh, night swimmer, and a man who's not afraid to get, afraid to get his pants a little bit cold. How's it going, Brett? It's going quite well. How are you, Marilyn? That's super. Ah, oh, I just uh, top of the morning and the rest of the day to you. So I want to talk to you about new things because it seems like we're both doing some new things, and I find that intriguing. I saw on your tutor this morning that you are now uh, you're writing for Max Stories. Is that accurate? It is. I am. Uh, I'm very excited about. It. I actually asked for this job um, because while writing it to all, my second favorite blog was always Max Stories. So yeah, I uh, now that Tua is gone and. AOL is Verizon. I figured it was time to move on. And your first thing today was a feature on uh, an app that indexes your Dropbox history and enables you to do like comparisons and rollbacks and stuff. What's it called? Well, it was actually going to be one of my top picks. And what I think we should do is just sprinkle our top picks into this show. Okay, let's sprinkle Um, them. So, yes, uh, the first app, it's uh, Revisions for Dropbox, also known as Revisions, but I think they did the SEO title thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's a menu bar app and it shows you like every change, deletion and uh, addition to your Dropbox in every folder. And it is, it's something I've been looking for for a long time. Like, you know, things like Dropbox syncs, sync will mess up and you'll get, you know, folders and files that disappear. And this is a perfect way to find those in addition to like full history and being able to revert to 
any version you want to. I could see that being so handy. There's a company, well, a very small company I work with, that um, is run by, no, the, the Dropbox part of it is run by a very, very organized woman that I really admire. And so she's basically set up this system where everybody can intuitively know, I mean, this is the way everyone should work, is you, you, know, you don't have stuff like, you know, uh, last draft, final, final, version six, final. You don't do stuff like that with her. There's <laughs> Ver- a very version mature. Version three, alpha, final. Right, final, final, seriously, final. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically, that's my desktop all the time. Um, I have no sense of history. But but uh, she's been great at setting up a structure where it's like, well, here are the books that we do, and then here are the different, every book that we do, in this case, comic books, has like a different, there's a title, and then there's an issue, and then there's all, there's like four or five steps involved in every one of those. So you can go and instantly know, you could even do it, you could do it probably if you were a terminal person. You could confidently do it from the terminal and know that what you're looking for was there. So why do I say that? Because I think there are a lot of small groups and companies that really do work like that. And it would be so great to be able to know that you've got that knowledge without having to go to the website and do something nerdy to find the revisions. To be able to know that that's all in there must be amazing. Yes. I, I find having to go to the Dropbox website to recover a previous version to be tedious and i've always been annoyed that i had to do it it's a credit to the folks at dropbox that well let's first of all in fairness the dropbox site is surprisingly intuitive to use yes in the sense that like sometimes you know when i'm doing some of the podcast i have this whole kind of ballet i go through where i turn off all these different things including dropbox syncing so sometimes i just want to drop an image into a folder so i keep those uh urls in a folder you know like like slash public slash I in this case. And so it's it's so easy to go in and you can do stuff like, do you notice it has like, if you start typing on a page, it'll uh, filter. Do, yeah, right. It'll jump to, if I type MP3, it finds the MP3 folder on that page, stuff yes. like that. It's pretty intuitive. But having said that, I agree with you. I think the, the, uh, the, the true, at least from a customer facing standpoint, the true triumph of Dropbox is how much we consider it part of our operating system now that you don't ever have to do that. So when you do, it feels a little bit like a loss. It's not impossible to do, but it is pretty opaque, you know? And so does this run something like diffs? Is that what it, or does it well, show you the that's diffs? That's the one thing that I, I find lacking in this version is that it has no internal diff, but you can incorporate it with any external diff viewer, such as like a diff uh, three Kaleidoscope, which okay. is what I love. But um, yeah, and then you can see exactly what changed at any point in your file history. And if you have like a business Dropbox account with unlimited history, it will index all of it. That's amazing. So uh, Verizon sweeps in, decides to shut the lights off on a bunch of stuff. And is that is that actually one of the things that inspired you to approach Federico about that? No, actually, I, I had uh, dropped the idea about a week before the Verizon thing happened, but the closing of two prior to the Verizon deal was uh, an impetus. Right. It seems like uh, I've heard a lot of, I feel like I've read and heard a lot of development types talk about how important writing is to their process. People like Daniel Jalcutt, I think has talked about it. People like uh, Brent Simmons has talked about it. Like for Brent, I mean, it feels like that's a big part of his work is having almost like a public log book of what right. he's working on. Is that part of your process? Oh, absolutely. BrettTerpshire.com, even back to the days when it was Circle Six blog has always been, I mean, I'll write about things I figure out, even if I know that everyone who would read it already knows them because it serves as like a, a personal history. And by the way, uh, Brent Simmons latest series on how not to crash if any developers out there are if you're a developer you should go read brent simmons how not to crash series that's really good and gel cut is always brilliant i i i love so much that he writes like the things the things that he shares i learn something new every single time he puts out an article it's so funny. I mean, in the age of, in case you missed it, posts, you know, which kind of drive me a little bananas, like, just post it. You don't need to say that. Just post it. If post it twice. That's fine. That's okay. It's what you do. But, you know, you know, I think we feel a little certain. I know I feel a certain amount of reluctance about knowingly repeating myself. I unknowingly repeat myself all the time. But I think sometimes, though, and I, I feel like I see this borne out constantly, especially on something like Back to Work, where we cover, we only, there's only really, like, one topic on back to work, which is feeling like a terrible person. 
And then everything else kind of spins out of that. I mean, email spins out of feeling like a terrible person, not being able to finish the projects you want. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like it really is worth, like our last episode of Back to Work is one of my favorites we've ever done. And it starts out in the craziest place and then ends up in this other place because there are some things that need to be repeated, right? Every day somebody's born who's never seen the Flintstones. It pays to have something out there that somebody, you know, <laughs> have you ever seen this like with selling t-shirts where you're like, all you do is talk about selling shirts or selling a product for, for weeks and weeks and weeks until you feel like, like a total tool. And then the day that you can't buy t-shirts anymore, like 10 people are like, why didn't you tell me you were selling t-shirts? It happens to me every time. Every time. But I, I, I stop myself. I feel like I should promote when I sell things like that. I should promote them much more heavily than I do. But I do. I get that feeling like, you know, people people should know about it. I mentioned it a couple of times. But then apparently there are people who read Twitter like 10 days late. Yeah. Well, it's, it's complicated, too. I mean. I, you know, I don't mean to sound like I, I don't have that fear. There's a lot of stuff I don't link to. Some, I don't link to every show I'm on every time, every week, et cetera, et cetera, because it gets, it gets noisy. And the people who are, the, the irony is that in my case, the people who are there to see whatever dumb stuff I want to put on Twitter, there's a pretty good chance that they know I do this weekly podcast or that weekly podcast. So I don't want to jam it down their throat. I try to make something about it that's, I want them to know about it because I want strangers to know about it. But I also try and like give them some angle on it. Like, okay, here's something we talked about this week. But like, I do feel that, I do feel that reluctance because people are there for you as the person in a lot of ways. You know, it isn't like you're following Virgin Airlines or trying to get <laughs> free drinks from Dr. Pepper by retweeting something or, you know, putting up pictures of your feet so poor kids get shoes. Like, it's not one of those kinds of things. People are there because of you in some ways, and but they're also there for your work. So, you know, I think it's a weird balance to get right. I think, I think it definitely is. And I'm not sure I've even come close to mastering it myself yet. So you're, uh, uh, can I continue my interview with you? You may. So now you're, you're going to be doing this with Max Stories. In approaching writing for a site, like Max stories, what do you what do you change in terms of how you write or what you choose um, now that you're on a different? I guess it is a group site, right? I think of it as being Federica, but there are other people who write. For there it. are there are some very good writers. Um, well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me here, and it's, it's always it's a great. Right, honor. I, I, you know, any any time you are always welcome on your show. And uh, and and that's a really good question. That's how you're supposed to start a response, right? That's a really good question. Helps if you <clears throat> also pause a little bit and you go. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. <laughs> and then if you're me, you have a two part answer, that, and you never give the second part. <laughs> a. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I I spent uh, I spent a good amount of time reviewing like all the recent articles on Max Stories to kind of get a feel for the voice. And one thing I appreciate and appreciated about Tua as well is there's no particular voice that you have to follow. Every writer gets to have their own uh voice and so I'm, I'm i'm flying with that i'm using my typical voice i'm following a little bit different pattern as far as like review structure goes but um overall i'm i'm really happy to feel like i'm once again in a place where i can just write the way i would write and as far as what i pick i get to use my own affiliate links and that i don't know if i'm supposed to say that out loud but wow that's cool it's amazing because it 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 incentivizes me to use app store apps which isn't perfect to me uh i would rather not feel like i am wasting any time if i write about something that isn't on the app store because there are a lot of great apps that aren't but at the same time i i really appreciate that kind of bonus uh feedback uh monetary compensation mm-hmm. it's cool yeah, it is. And that's another classic kind of difficult dance to pull off. You know, my, my feeling has always been if you wouldn't link to it without an affiliate link, don't link to it with, with an affiliate link. But then that changes. If you're writing about products, it, it is it makes sense and it is organic. But you know, if you would link to something, do not feel guilty about using an affiliate link. It doesn't cost the people who click it anything. Right. Right, right. Yeah, but as you as you're sort of hinting at though, the the balance that you have to pull off is knowing that now that becomes part of the editorial voice. Um, you know that the the famous uh, Asian American Wall is down in some sense because now you you will in part make choices about what to do. So you know there's still going to be some part of your brain that's going like, hmm, you know, like like for example, if there's something that's on the Mac App Store and not on the Mac App Store, 
Like, you know, you got to pick, I guess you link to both. You, right? you can. I typically, if it's on the Mac App Store, I will just link to the Mac App Store instead of having three different links going to three different places. And that's not a, that's not a financially driven decision. That's simply convenience for the reader. I used to have a, uh, in the days before I was heavily using text expander, when I would do the same thing on 43 folders, I actually had a, uh, a, a, a snippet, if you'll call it, is that what it's called? An, in TextMate, yeah. where I could put in an ISBN number and it would produce this little short thing in between parentheses that would have Amazon, ISBN.new, and I think one other place, maybe Wikipedia, I forget. But it was, you know, that, that's, that's one way you can do it, where it's almost like when you see a stock symbol and it's got those little, little kind of like an infographic, little links next to it. But, but I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this. I think it's so interesting to look at somebody like Federico, who, who more and more feels to me a, uh, to be a similar character to like David Sparks, where they're making a name for themselves by extensive, detailed, accessible coverage of something that other people are interested in, but they're, they're not as interested in as that person until they read about it. So you know what I mean? They both have a way of being almost like a Pied Piper for certain kinds of products and product ideas. Not products, but you know what I mean? Certain technologies. I think, And that, I really like that. Federico's great at that. The thing he did on the Sunrise calendar was great. Yes. And I think that I would liken him more to Syracuse when he writes those really detailed reviews. I mean, yeah, right. Max Barkey writes entire books. Uh, and he has that new one about photos that I still need to read, but in my cursory overview, looked like I could actually, like, uh, switching from Aperture as a primary photo uh, tool mm -hmm. to using photos is a huge leap in just about every regard. And I do, I need a, a walkthrough because there's so many things I feel like are missing, but they're actually there just in different uh, possibly more intuitive ways. Remember there's that series that was really popular for a while. I used to buy a lot, the Missing Manual series. Yeah. And I remember always really liking that phrase because on the one hand, you know, even a well, even, I mean, accepting things like, you know, one password where the documentation is such a delight to read. Most, most documentation is usually pretty dry. It, it might as well be for a toaster oven. And I think what David in particular and Federico, Federico are good at is you know, giving you enough to help you understand how this thing works, but cutting through all that noise to, to really give you the high points. Like David's video on workflow so perfectly demonstrates, you know, use cases for this. It's not just like, here's the steps to accomplish something we designed in the program. It's really like, here's how you would use this in practice. So you not only learn, you grow in mastery with whatever software you're using, but you also start to understand how, how you might actually want to use it. Yeah, I think there's... Uh... I think there's a place for both. I think both should actually be always required when writing tech documentation for, at least for like software, mm -hmm. because I mean, yeah, some people do want to know what every menu option does, but the use case approach is way more useful for, I would say 90% of, of users, especially new people to us, to an app. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's almost analogous I was mentioning this to somebody recently. How I feel like all the internet books I bought in the mid '90s, like you know, something like one fifth of the book was nothing but lists of Usenet groups, which was not in itself all that useful. I mean, what would be really useful to me in some ways is to go like, here's you know, twenty Usenet groups you might want to start with, for example. Or in another way, you might want to say it's one thing to hand somebody a list of every conceivable fruit and vegetable that's available in a season. And it's another thing to give somebody a recipe. Because the thing is, you can find out if there is a good manual that exists for the software, you can go and look stuff up. It's just that just looking stuff up in that dry way is not the same thing as the use case part. You know, you almost want that like as a sidebar to go like, and let's let's make something with what we've learned, you know? Because then you really get a more personal attachment to that software. It starts to become more of your life and less of this appliance that you have to plug in. Tidbits books do a really good job with that. Oh yeah, and the take control of your Mac or take control of your Foo books. Yes. Those are those are really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think I just figured something out. Hold on. There. Oh my god, I found it. <laughs> you sound so much better. I know. God. All right, I'll I'll deal with the reverb. I want to welcome back my guest, Brett Terpstra, who just figured out his microphone. <laughs> it's my first day. How's it going, Brett? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Well, do, do you want to tell me about something you like? Uh, sure, sure. Um, let's see. I'm afraid that 
somehow one writer did not sync my notes, so I have to turn to my phone for a moment. Bleep bloop. So, yeah, I think revisions was actually on my list, right? And then, oh, is it okay if I promote my own thing as I'm a gonna promote. I'm going to promote your own thing. What if we promote the same thing? Mm. Hmm. Well, I, I put out very recently this thing called The Shuttle, and it was... It was born of my own frustration with never being able to find my Apple remote. And I prototyped a solution for, it must have been six six to eight months that I, I refined this. But uh, it's now for sale on Etsy. And what it is, is an oak handmade holder for the Apple remote that it fits comfortably in your hand, adds, an, adds enough bulk that you can stand your remote up on and vertically or even rested on like the arm of a couch and it's it looks good with the very uh sleek sexy remote it adds kind of an amish flavor to your tech <laughs> and i have not lost my apple remote one time this is going from losing it a couple times a day always looking for it between couch cushions and under pieces of paper to never losing it once in 6 months you sent me one um at this point, probably a couple months ago, and to check out and, and you know offer thoughts on it, and I, I instantly popped it in, and everything changed because we reportedly, if memory serves, own I think three and possibly four Apple remotes, and we've only ever found one. Yeah, and and you're right, at least twice a day. I mean, it's weird. It's like a virus. Like it really wants to be in the couch. Like well, it's like a couch virus. It's like it was specifically designed. It's specifically hide. like the weighted and shaped to fall into like the smallest possible <laughs> crevice it really and is. just and just go away. And, or if it um, drops on the floor, it will always slide under something. It's weird. It, it seems sentient. But <laughs> I love this thing. and I'm so glad. Thank you so much for sending it. You guys should go out and buy the shuttle because we've got a kid, which means we lose everything all the time. And, you know, she puts it in real bananas places. It's really easy. And again, it's almost like with the original when the MacBook Air first came out and you're like, be careful. Do not put this in a pile of magazines because you might recycle it. It's so thin you won't notice it. And I, that's how it is with the Apple remote. It's 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 been dynamite. So you get this this beautiful little piece of wood. You slide your remote in and you're done. And it, it feels great to hold. It feels it's got Amish flavor, and uh, I, I can definitely endorse uh, the shuttle. To, to be clear, I, I nor my family are Amish, but in my area, they are well known for um, a uh, beating dogs and horses, and b uh, <laughs> handcrafted furniture. What? The the Amish beat their animals? Oh man, they are brutal. I had no idea. That changes everything for me. <laughs> and what about the Mennonites? Did the Mennonites hit their animals? I, I know very close to nothing about the Mennonites. I think Unitarians don't hit their animals. <laughs> They're too, too busy pairing off for uh, last minute intercourse. <laughs> Welcome back to Religion Talk. No, um, uh, so that's great. And will you tell people, will there be something in show notes where people can link to that? Or how do you tell people to find it? Well, I encourage people to pick pick one. You got a growth hack. You got a growth hack your project. I encourage people to pick one up because uh, once you pick it up, you'll never want to put it down. Mm. No, it really is. It really is swell. Thank you for making it. And thank you for sending me one. Uh, my family thanks you. You are the only person who received a review copy. What? And that's are not, you even kidding me? That's not because there weren't a lot of people, I thought, who, sh who should have one to to take a look at. It's because we only had 25, and you were the one who most prominently had issues with losing your Apple remote. I wish people, thank you. <laughs> I wish people would always send me things about what I complain about. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Some kind of dongle for my Apple TV that makes it work. There's so many things that I could use. Does your TV reboot? Mm. See, I'm not getting that Dan Morin thing. I don't get that. What What I get is... You know what? I'm not gonna talk about this. I get the I get the uh, you're not connected to the internet. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm connected to the internet. The Amazon Fire TV is super connected to the internet. <laughs> it's yeah. like I am thinking for a moment while I decide if there is internet. All right. See that okay. part I can fix with a reboot usually, and mm. then sometimes like I'll have to do a full settings reset, like factory settings. But lately, it will basically reboot the first time you open Hulu or Netflix. It, for the day, it will reboot. Oh, boy. Just instantly. You'll get the little spinner, and then the lights go off, and it comes back on. And then it's fine for another 24 hours, but every day. Well, I you know, I wouldn't whine about this if I didn't 
A, A, love the system, and B, if I weren't really, really invested. I mean, it's when 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 we look and when I see that triple digit number show up on movies, like we own a own, we have licensed something like 150 movies from Apple TV. So. I'm not just saying this as somebody who wants to pop in and listen to a podcast now and then. It's a big part of what we do. It's just that the reality is that right now the Apple or the Amazon Fire is so drastically ahead of it in terms of performance and in terms of obviously supporting Plex, which is yes. that's become that's become the uh, the coin of the realm for us. And now, honestly, we only use uh, the Apple TV when we want to watch something we bought from Apple. Which, which I, you know, uh, with all of my pissing and moaning, I think that's a good note for Apple to, to to think about. Which is that it's not the appliance we use all the time. It's it's now become the exactly the, what it was in the beginning, which is a, a front end of the Apple um, store. So I don't know. I, I have I have high hopes for what they'll do with it. I think it's too much to leave behind. All the revenue that they could make off selling stuff from there, they you know they're going to have to do something pretty great with it. I think an Apple TV app store. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. A, a la pla- um, Roku. Yeah, I, I use my Roku for Amazon streaming. I use it for Daily Burn. I use it for Plex. And then I use my Apple TV for HBO Now and Hulu and Netflix. Hulu and Netflix, obviously, available on both. But right. I like the Apple TV interface for the most part. Mm. Well, you know, I, I feel like here's the, here's the funny thing with that is that if I'm uh, incentivized to get somewhere... Right, I hit 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 and hold menu to get to the home. Right, yeah. you go, boop, and you hold it and you get to the home. You go movies. You click on movies. Movies. It then shows you what's popular. Okay, movies. Tick 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 tick. You go to my purchases. You go to my purchases. It remembers wherever you were before. And for some reason, my family insists on going to genres instead of just leaving it on all movies. <laughs> so now it thinks for a minute while it's on kids and family, and then I gotta wait <laughs> while it's thinking and nothing's on screen, and then I go tick 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 back up to all movies. What I wait. want is the 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 interface that the iPhone has, where you you triple click the button and it pops up, and you can flip between oh, your yeah, current right. state and apps. If I could be in Netflix, you know, double tap the button on my remote and then just jump right over to where I already was in Hulu, that's that. That's I would good. be ecstatic. Well, and also, I mean, it's weird what kinds of things you you really get that thing that you used to very rarely feel in the last five, 10 years with Apple, which is that you can really feel the balkanization of the different apps and the different, you know, kind of business units. Um, Because the the degree of polish, detail, and uh, feature set differs from app to app on the Apple TV in a way that's kind of hard to explain. Like, why is it that I can have like favorites somewhere and not others? Like, doesn't it make sense, especially, forgive me, if you've got a little kid in the house, to have the ability to have favorite movies Yes. Like, shouldn't I have an area called favorites? Shouldn't where... I be able to bookmark the newsroom so I can jump to it without digging? Like HBO makes it almost impossible to get oh, TV's to. The w- and TV's the worst because on the TV part, now you've got to drill down. When we want to go, uh, go and watch an old Project Runway that we've bought, and yes, we've bought seasons of Project Runway, <laughs> you got to go in and then you got to go through the whole, like, do you want to see things from other seasons? Do you, where are you? And it's very, there's not much sense of where you are. This is boring. People don't care about this. Uh, yeah. We, Apple TV complaining is fun, but really, I would just like to see it fixed. Well, I wouldn't. The thing is, if I didn't use it, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, this is this here. is the part that you know all these Apple nerds don't appreciate is that like if I were just I, I'm not just lobbing grenades at Cupertino. Like I want this thing to be great. It's just that since Roku, I've got the latest Roku and the latest Amazon Fire, and in both cases, the experience is vastly, vastly better. It's down to like, like I, I just we just live on the Amazon Fire now because it does all kinds of stuff. It does the voice search for finding Amazon Prime stuff, I was which ask is actually surprisingly that. useful. Is Siri supposed to be coming to the Apple TV? Well, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass a hopping. <laughs> so, did you see Mad Max? No, I haven't. Because you're I a can't. dad. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm a dad. That's exactly why I, uh, I, I am really looking forward to. It. I'm worried that my expectations are too high at this point. But I, I'm no matter what, I'm, I'm gonna go and get the $37 version where you see it way too loud on a big screen in 3D. I think I'm gonna pop for that. See, I had very low expectations because I just felt like it would be a, a Star Wars Episode One kind of feeling. Um, Mad Max was a dear, a dear friend to me in my younger years and i the first one was so it's so campy and low budget i just Mm -hmm. felt like at this point miller couldn't really 
stay true to that, but he totally did. I walked out of there amazed that he had made a fourth movie that was better, in my opinion, than the three original. That's so encouraging to hear, not just that the movie's good, but that that's, that, that still happens yeah, with, a, with a big blockbuster movie. It's so nice to hear. It's almost like Guardians of the Galaxy. When Guardians of the Galaxy came out, and I had pretty high expectations for that, and I just walked out of that theater on a cloud. I was like, I'm so glad this can still happen. If Marvel can get one of these out a year that's this fun, I will be really happy. So I'm, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know what funny. I love is when you're on, say, Facebook, and you write something like, Man, Guardians of the Galaxy was hilarious. I laughed the whole time. And the first comment is from someone you don't know who says, I didn't care for it. Like, why would you bother? That's just... Nevin, Nevin Morgan posted a screenshot of something from one of the, I think, Gawker sites. And I think it was about Mad Max. And somebody just dive-bobbed into the comments to say, well, I'm glad you guys all enjoy this, but I don't plan to see it. <laughs> And someone responded by saying, so you just came here to say you're not going to see the movie? That's and brilliant. And the person responds one word, yes. <laughs> I would lo- I'd love to just, just get a little quick snapshot of what the rest of their day is like. Was that a highlight? Like, was, was that a thing they planned? Did they, did, they, did they take a bathroom break and have a meal, make sure they got the energy to go in and talk about not going to see a movie? Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank- oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my God. Thank you. So since we're interspersing here, what would your uh, your first pick be? Uh, well, you've done the shuttle. I want to uh, also endorse the shuttle. I've got kind of two. Um, I don't know the exact provenance of this, but, you know, Jesse Grosjean, Hogbay yeah. Software, is that his name? Yep. You know, he made the task paper a while back, and it, it got kind of weird. He made task paper, task paper basically being an app that allows you to use an extremely shorthand version uh, of a task list where essentially things like, well, okay, so I should take a step back. The beauty of task of TaskMate is it's based on a very simple kind of markup language, if you like, where you can use a text file as a kind of tricked out to-do list. So a string of text and a colon with no space equals a project. Uh, lines that begin with dashes under that are tasks. And then you can use like an at symbol and a string to be a context. So that by itself, if you just want a really simple way to do a to-do list, that's kind of how you would do it without any other functionality. What was neat about TaskPaper is it added lots of little neat touches to that. Like you could make, if you added the tag at done to something, it would cross it off the list in a graphical uh, interface. But, but again, leaving all that portability in, you could go in and just focus on one project, focus on one context and it's, you know, but like a project and it's sub-projects. I mean, I like lots of task stuff. Please don't ask me if this means you're not using OmniFocus. No, that's not what it means. It means sometimes I want to say, here's 10 things that need to happen before I, I pick my kid up. And this is the fastest way to do that. Um, and so what's neat is, uh, so task paper kind of went away. Then there was, did you, what was his other app? His like big Uber app that had uh, the folding timer. Text. Folding text. Is that dead? Is that still a thing? There is a new, uh, it's folding text for Adam. So yes, I believe oh, development I on folding text as a standalone app is dead, but there, he's developing a okay. version for Adam, the editor. I'm bummed because it was so weird and fun and the latest development beta I had expired a million years ago. Long story short, I think he's kind of given up on task paper for now. I guess he open sourced it and somebody picked it up and is now making a, an iOS app called TaskMater. Oh my God. I'm, I'm writing about this for Mac stories right now. No kidding. Um, and it's really neat. And so, you know, basically it's, here's, here's why this is great. It's great because it is completely frill free. It, doing stuff in task paper is all about the tasks. There's nothing to fiddle with unless you really, really want to try to fiddle. It's so straightforward. TaskMater takes, does a couple things. First of all, it brings back the functionality of task paper, meaning you can do things like swipe left to right to cross something off the list. You can do things like now add a context to something without having to type it. You can do things like mark all the done items as archived and move them out of your current list into an archive area, all that stuff. And it adds one nice, I think, kind of cool new feature, which is uh, an alarm. Yes. Um, so basically, you swipe right to left on something, and it prompts you with a date picker and time picker, and uh, and then you get a little pop-up on your iOS device when that item is due. And you can sync that back to your local, whatever you use. Because on the Mac, you, you can really, I mean, you can use any text editor, and there's an uh, pl- uh, extension for Sublime Text that is called Plain Tasks. Right. That is, it's, a, it's as good as using task paper, which version two is still fully functional and I enjoy it a lot. Version three died 
um, along yeah, with right, right, folding right. text. But yeah, Taskmater, the the new it the new reminders feature is amazing, and I love um, I love being able to just tap and hold and then drag my tasks into order because and like automatic, you said, like your whole and a whole project when you it turns when you click on the project in the in the mode of. So it's the editing view, and then there's like the, I don't know how you describe it. There's like the typing view, and then like the untyping view. And when you click on it, the entire project gets selected. It turns into a little line, and the, a horizontal line, and you just move it anywhere in the hierarchy you want to move it. Yeah. That's about as fiddly as it gets. Right. And I, but, I use it for those short-term, like, immediate to-do lists, just like exactly. you do. I still use OmniFocus, but... But there, I mean, like, well, well God, why is there all of this need to figure out what people aren't using. It's such a strange <laughs> obsession people have. Like people kind of care what you're using. They're really interested in what you're not using and why. Well, I think it's, it's like, because they're $40 apps and people feel a certain investment. Yeah, and then maybe people who bought or didn't buy that $40 app want to feel like they're doing, they did or didn't do the right thing. But right. all I want to do is I want to make a case for this being not dissimilar from what Markdown is for text files, this kind of is for uh, task management. It's, it's impossibly lightweight, super syncable, and it just shows up everywhere. I mean, you know, I, I, you poor bastards living in that Microsoft Office world. You know, I go <laughs> and I make one change on something on a computer or an iPad. I hop onto editorial on my iPad, and it takes about half a second to update. Like, that to me is, like, unbeatable. And that's, you know, until I have features that go beyond what editorial is capable of, which is not much, um, they, it does it all, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm just always, I talked on, I whined for two hours on MacBreak Weekly uh, recently about just how, for me, it's becoming all about stuff that's super solid, super simple, and doesn't need me to be its unpaid babysitter all the time to make sure that it still works. And so I, 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 I've loved these lightweight tools forever, but I've really gravitated toward them to the exclusion of other things. I don't, I don't want a system. I don't want, the, I don't want to have to go to the Mac App Store for an update. I want this all to be just so simple. And uh, so, yeah, that's my pick, Taskmater. Nice. I, uh, the developer Amit um, of Taskmater uh, sent me a, a cool idea for collaboration where basically using Dropbox sharing, you can actually collaborate on a to-do list. I mean, like you said, it's so simple. It's just, it's a text file. Mm -hmm. And with Dropbox, you can have multiple people editing it and then get notifications of changes. That's cool. I wouldn't also wouldn't mind maybe a couple more things inside of NV Alt because NV Alt right now is where I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, that's my pick, Testman. You can, you can uh, put that in notes. I, I definitely will. It's already there. Um, I should mention that for anyone who hasn't figured this out yet, NV Alt is being retired. What? We are currently in a rapid development cycle, David Halter and I, to because create. Because you think it's feature complete? I believe it is uh, entirely unprofitable. <laughs> Do you realize there are there are hundreds of thousands of NV Alt users? Oh my God, I'm like fifty thousand of them. I love it. <laughs> it's open on my screen literally right now. There's a cursor blinking in NV Alt on my screen. I see your face out in the snow, uh, in Skype, and I see NV Alt. Oh my goodness! I'm so sorry to hear that you're not. Oh, no, other people what, aren't the rapid that. development cycle is for a commercial replacement that will not be terribly expensive. It will be everything that you love about NBALT, plus all the new features that we've thought about adding to NBALT, but decided the uh, the payback for it was uh, not satisfactory. Well, I can endorse that. I'm very happy to hear that. It It is in progress. Like, seriously, I have like 30 hours a week allotted for developing that right now. So within a couple months, watch for watch for the the new NV Alt. We're looking okay. for a name right now, but we have some mm -hmm. ideas for that. Well, I'm I'm very relieved to hear that. I'm glad you're gonna charge for it because I think uh, people like me will happily pay for that. Awesome, that's good to hear. You got a you, you got a pick, uh, Brett Terpster? Let's see, where are we? I have uh, I've mentioned this before, but it's the one app that I use all day. It's called Dash. And it basically indexes doc sets, like documentation for any language that you happen to work in. And then with one keystroke, it pops up a floating window. And you can just start typing to find the exact method that you need a reference for in whatever language you're working in. And you can have it so that, like if I'm in Xcode and I pop it up, it automatically assumes that I want to look up something in Objective-C or Swift. If I'm in... 
a JavaScript file in Sublime Text, it will pop up the JavaScript and HTML references, and it can do snippets. So you can have like code snippets with placeholders that it inserts in Xcode or Sublime or TextMate, whatever you're working on. And there are new features that I'm not allowed to talk about coming up that are just, they're, they're delicious. If you, if you don't already love Dash, you will soon. Why is it? Um, dumb question. Is it using something a la scope in TextMate to know what it should be looking at? No, you define rules. Okay. Uh, and you can use kind of a criteria builder to tell it what you would want it to show you at any given time. Wow. So basically, whatever app is frontmost and then, you know, whatever keystroke it was launched with, things like that. That sounds amazing. It is. I love it. I guess we're going long here. Do I have one more or two more? Are we going long? Yeah. Aren't we? Aren't we supposed to be half an hour? No, no. Oh, I should have mentioned that up front, huh? Oh, well, that's okay. We're, we're back to an hour show. People did not enjoy, especially with your shows. They're like, you can't cut Merlin off at 30 minutes. You know, you know. Uh... <laughs> what, let me. I don't know. I don't know whether to take that as a slight. I'm not sure it matters. No, pe- people. People want to hear you all day, every day. Which, mm. which you you somewhat enable, given the uh, the number of podcasts. I don't know what's you, going on with do. me. I've decided to do more things. <laughs> yeah. So that's weird. It's a terrible idea. I'm going to throw in a sponsor, and you, you may actually be able to help with this one. I can totally help with this one. Uh, it's it's uh, Casper the Friendly Mattress. It It is. And I will start by saying that I have a Casper mattress and I got it before they signed up to be a sponsor. And any opinions I share are actual valid heartfelt opinions. So hmm. this episode of Systematic is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. For years, the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that saving directly to the consumer. Casper makes an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, especially for a mattress made in the U.S. Casper mattresses offer just the right sink and just the right bounce thanks to two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, to come together for better nights and brighter days. Compared to industry averages, which are well over $1,500, Casper mattresses range from only $500 for a twin to $950 for a king size. Casper cuts out the showroom and passes the savings on to you. If you're still nervous about the idea of buying your mattress online, Casper has a completely risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days, and then get free delivery and painless returns if you don't love it. So Systematic listeners can get $50 towards any Casper mattress uh, by visiting casper.com systematic and using our promo code systematic. Terms and conditions apply. That seems, that seems reasonable. There's also, and this isn't in the ad read, but there's also a, uh, an affiliate. You, when you purchase, you get an affiliate link that you can send to your friends and both of you get $50. They get $50 off and you get a $50 credit. I love it. I mean, you know, this is a, this is such a no-brainer for people, especially nerds who don't like being annoyed. If you've ever tried to buy a mattress, we've only ever done this one time and well, I will never do it again. Was going through the whole donkey drill of trying to find a mattress because not to disparage the industry, but all most of the big manufacturers of mattresses deliberately give their products, different names and SKUs at different retailers. So it's virtually impossible to compare prices. You go in there, what are you going to do? You lay on a mattress somewhere in Oakland? Like, that's no way to live. It's terrible. <laughs> are you, some kind of a monster? Is that how you buy a mattress? Why don't you just go lay on the street? It's a horrible way to live, and you got somebody in a tie with short sleeves talking to you? That's no way to live. So if you're a nerd, and you want to be able to, to know that you're getting a good thing here, I can promise you, I can't promise you, but I'm pretty sure you are not going to find a less costly mattress that is awesome. I sleep on one uh, my, my lady wife sleeps on the same one and uh, we love it. And the, here's the other thing is it arrives in your house in a box. It's a box, maybe the size, it's maybe a little bit bigger than a two drawer file cabinet, believe it or not. And it comes in this bag. You open this bag with this little le- letter opener that comes with it and it goes, <laughs> it exhales <laughs> and becomes your favorite new mattress. It is, it is so great. The price is so awesome and they're not scoundrels. They're just going to have to run with that. I had been looking, my last mattress purchase was 
through the showroom and went through the whole rigmarole and spent a, a, what I consider an exorbitant amount of money to try to get a good night's sleep. And within a year and a half, I was very dissatisfied with that purchase. And that was exactly when I learned about Casper. Ordered mine, got it, I think, four days later. Same, yeah, that big box that sighs with relief when you open it. And I have actually been looking forward to going to bed at night. I have never done that in my life before. <laughs> you're you're a hard sleeper. You're not a good sleeper. I am a horrible sleeper. Maybe that was partly because I've always had crappy mattresses, though. But like we looked at the Tempur-Pedic and decided that something with a you know thousand coils per inch would be better for a thousand dollars less than a Tempur-Pedic, and this costs half the price that I paid for that one, and I like it better. And you don't have to carry a giant mattress into your house. It's <laughs> it's bananas. I do wonder how the returns work because I folding that, that thing back up is going to take some muscle. They probably send you, send you a special tool to cut a hole in your wall or something. But I'm not sending mine back, so it's mm -mm. all right. All right. Well, thanks for your input. I know you're a you're a happy user as well. I'm I'm super excited that they're sponsoring the podcast. It's always fun when when products and and apps that you already love decide to support you. Oh God, I feel the same way. It's uh, it's so much easier when you can honestly <laughs> say, like, look, this is what I use for this purpose. You know, it makes me feel a little bit, you know, funny when I have to talk about something I haven't used, which is, I think, something that in the history of advertising is not, it's not like newspapers were only taking classified ads for used lawn chairs that they'd used. You know, it's, it's a new, it's a new thought technology to actually be saying, you know, hey, they sponsored the show because uh, they like us and we like them, you know, anyway. Yes, definitely. So uh, where are you with your top picks? I'm out now. Oh, uh, you know, these are really dumb. You can pick. I got. Uh, I talked. I was gonna talk, maybe talk about Sunrise. We've already kind of talked about that. New version of Paper is out that has a neat new feature in it. I'll mention that as a, I'll sideload that one. Paper now enables you to use Paper on the iPad. You mean the the drawing app? Yeah. From yeah, 50, yeah. 50, What is it? Fifty three. Fifty three. No, That's I I have and and I think it's the best app in its category, but I don't draw. So that's gonna be my sideloaded pick. But you know what they just added in the last couple of weeks is. There's a new um, tool, three new tools actually, in the in the drawer, where one you can select is this like a pen, like a different pen than the usual pen you use, and it auto recognizes shapes. So if you can draw a pretty round circle and then close it, boop, it turns into a circle. If you can draw a pretty good triangle, it turns into a triangle. Ditto for diamond, rectangle, square, and then that becomes not precisely, it's not a vector object, but it's its a smart object in that you can now pick colors and autofill, and you go bloop, 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 and fill it in. You can do arrows. If you draw between two objects, it gives you the opportunity to have uh, single or double-ended arrows. Anyway, it's a neat app. My kid loves doing that. I've always liked napkin for the uh, on the Mac. Oh, I should similar. play with that more. I can't believe how many apps I can't use on my old computer now. How old is I, I computer? saw the new I saw the new Vim, that Vim R, and I really wanted to play with it. And it's like it only runs on uh, Yosemite. It's like I'm embarrassed to admit that I didn't know there was a new Vim. It looks neat. It looks pretty. Look, go to Vim R. It's uh, it's it's on the uh, on the GitHub. Looks pretty. I think you'd dig that. Yeah, I probably would. Okay, you know, this is really dumb, but um, this is going to be a real buzzkill for the end. But I have—I think I finally decided in my 48th year, like on the two pencils that I like to use. Can I talk about the two pencils I like? I, I, I think that if anyone were going to talk about pencils, I would want it to be you. That's boring, isn't it? It's really boring. I think you will make it thrilling. Okay, well, here's the thing. It's one thing to ask people what they use, and it's another thing to ask why they use it. I think that's always important and interesting, is if they're interested in talking about it, you know, here, here, here's the thing. So my main go-to, I've always liked the Pentel mechanical pencils. Um, you know, usually those classic black or blue mechanical pencils you see people use in those Pentels. I recently got one called the Pentel Graph Gear 500 mechanical drafting pencil. And it's a lot like the classic Pentel. It's just a little bit fancier. It's got a, a really nice, like, grid grip at the bottom. It's weighted really well. It feels a little heavier. It's not quite as fancy as like an according to Hoyle drafting pencil, but it's terrific. It's got a narrow barrel if you're using things like templates or stuff like that. But I just, I, for, for when I need to write in a notebook and I want it to be legible, I really like writing words with that. It's, it's, it's good for when you want to write small or when you want to write neatly. Um, but then in contrast to that, there's another one I really like, which is a typical wood case, classic wood case pencil. I don't know how to pronounce this, Tombow, T-O-M-B-O-W. Um, 
the 5B mono professional drawing pencil. It's a very, very dark, bold line. So whereas with the mechanical pencil, I can draw very finely or write very finely. I love the like, I'm going to make a noise here, the aspect of a 5B pencil because you can just scrawl in big, dark, wide lines. And it's a great way to just sketch around or scribble. And it's like, you don't feel, it's like, it's almost like the it's almost like the kind of yin and yang of pencils. On the one hand, you've got this one. So I, I carry these two around with me with a notebook. And so when I want to like write something, I'm using the mechanical. And then when I want to just have big lines, I use that big 5B. And, uh, and I don't know. I think that's all the pencil you need. You know, in life, it's important to establish what kind of underpants, T-shirts. There are certain things you need to just pick and run with it. I think getting a deodorant will save you a lot of time. And uh, th those are the two pencils that I've settled on, if anyone's keeping track of that. I think... Uh, T-shirts, underwear, and mechanical pencils will be the title of the episode. <laughs> I can't, I can't write. Because you're not, because you're not trying. You're not writing enough. That's I've been problem. practicing. I've actually been practicing in the shower on, on the uh, aqua notes. notes that you recommended. <laughs> um, once upon a time, I I am getting better. And you're right. It is that I don't practice, but I always, anytime I'm writing, I'm thinking I could type this faster. I have a way to turn this into a productivity uh, thought technology. Please do. I realized something in the last couple of years. First of all, I've realized, you know, since college that my handwriting gets more serial killer looking about every month. And so when I'm expected, I go somewhere and I have to fill out a form and I look illiterate. It's just, it's just this scrawl, no matter how carefully I try. I, but then I started noticing something interesting. When I would write in lines of text, especially in online paper, like uh, either like it could be this could work with Aquanotes too, but especially when I wrote uh, in a notebook, I noticed a, a strange thing, which is that if you slow down how you're how quickly you're writing, the way you think about what you're writing changes, and for some reason uh, it's analogous to me to like if you ever heard a great piece of advice for people who have to read Shakespeare, they say the key to reading Shakespeare obviously if you can see Shakespeare perform that's the best way if you have to read Shakespeare. You have to read it at the right pace. If you yeah. read Shakespeare too slowly, it's just a bunch of words you don't understand. If you read Shakespeare too quickly, it won't make any sense because, you know, it's again, it's more words. You know. But if you read Shakespeare at the right speed, roughly at the little slower than you would speak it, it kind of makes sense and kind of read it like a poem. I've noticed that when I write slightly slower than I want to write, two things happen. I write much more neatly. I focus on writing neatly. And as I'm writing slower and more neatly, the way that I'm thinking changes a little bit. And I think this is an ADD thing, uh, Brett. I really do. Some part of my brain goes, okay, let's, let's slow our roll a little bit. And I start ideating a little bit more concretely. It just It sounds crazy, but try it. Try writing, not perfectly, but in, in my case, in just like childlike, um, you know, block letters or, you know, just regular old non-cursive writing print writing. Try it. And I think it, it forces a different kind of modality. Like your brain starts working a little bit differently. That's interesting. Con yeah. Considered, considered writing. Considered writing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Nice. That's really nice. I, I, I will try picks. that because I, I tend to be of the mindset that the faster I get ideas out of my head, the more ideas I'll have. But uh, it's entirely possible that actually considering what I'm thinking might be uh, a productive step in, its, in and of itself. Uh, uh, we covered uh, a lot of ground. We did. I didn't tell you I got a new dog. Oh shoot! Well, that was on my list. We we're supposed to talk about dogs. I uh, we after our German Shepherd passed away this year. Was it this year? Seems like forever ago now. But we, I kept uh, holding Aditi back from getting another dog because I think I wasn't ready. I didn't put my foot down. I said, if you find the right dog, you know, we'll we'll consider it. And uh, I kept saying, I don't think that's gonna work. But this one showed up, and it's a black German Shepherd. And it's, like, I think 13 months old. And I loved it from the moment we made eye contact, which never happened to me with Shepherds. How old was it? It was thir 13 months. Just oh. over a year. Uh, it's a rescue, so we don't know its exact birth date. But um, it's it's young. You know, it's young and driven, but it is, uh, it's extremely mellow. And Emma, our pit bull usually gets we bring fosters home all the time like we always have a foster dog and emma usually just avoids them she doesn't really she won't play with a dog until she really gets to know it 
-hmm. this dog she was playing with in the backyard right away. Like first sight. It was amazing. What do you think it was? Something about the dog's personality? Yeah. Or equivalent equivalent size must be kind of good. Because sometimes I feel like little dogs are more freaked out by... Right. They have a Napoleon complex. Yeah, kind of. Or in some cases, I feel like dogs are most threatened by things that are smaller than them. I mean, you know more of this than I do. But I feel like like a mouse and an elephant. Or like a little kid. A little kid comes up and starts going pat, pat, pat on something that's almost its same size and the dog kind of freaks out. See, Emma loves, Emma absolutely adores little kids and small dogs and cats. Wow. Like she just, she, she, if she sees a baby in a stroller, she starts whining like a Wookiee and she's not happy (laughs) until she gets to rub noses with the baby. Oh, that's so sweet. It scares parents sometimes. It must make your heart feel good all around though. It is absolutely sweet. And this dog just has no... It doesn't put off any signals of defensiveness or aggression at all. So when Emma sees it, she doesn't feel like she needs to uh, react or defend herself or, mm-hmm. or you know, be aggressive in any way. She just feels completely at home with, with him, and so do people. Like, the, upon first sight, everyone's just like, oh, he's so chill, he's so relaxed. But he's still, you know, he loves to run and play and... It's kind there, of rare from in my experience for German shepherds to be like that. Is it um true what they say about rescue uh, being hard to, harder to find adoptive homes for uh, black dogs? Yes, it is. Is it really true? People are I think I think people are worried that other people would be scared of their dog if they got a large black dog. Mm-hmm. It's especially true of pit bulls. You will go into a shelter and any any time they have dogs that have been there more than a month, they're almost always black pit bulls oh man that's so sad yeah we we have taken a ton of black pit bulls in because by and large it's not people people have no fear of a black dog versus any other dog you know and people who are looking for a pit bull if they get to meet them one-on-one in my in my house without comparing them to a bunch of others i've never seen a problem there's just something about if you're at a shelter and you're looking for you know the right one out of you know five to ten to choose from People just seem to pass the black ones by. Yeah, I think that's probably something really deep down. It's probably largely, certainly somewhat cultural. But I bet part of it is just a natural instinct against like this very, very dark, potentially vicious looking animal. Right. But you know what I bet? I think about my my daughter and I, two or three times a day, we look at this these websites with cute animals on them. And I think about what are the animals that you consider cute? Well, what makes them cute in a lot of ways is that they have disproportionately large, usually dark eyes. Yep that are highly contrasted against a very light um, fur, usually, right? You think about a cute poodle, you think about a cute, any of those little cute dogs, the ones that you like can categorically go, oh, that's so cute. There's a high contrast between the very dark eyes and the very light fur. That sounds silly. No, but like it's when not, you, because but it's part of it, you don't see the marking, no ability. A tuxedo you, marking is more appealing to people than a solid black. Oh, interesting. That contrast right, matters. Totally. Well, yeah, it looks a little more whimsical too. It doesn't yeah. look like a ninja. Yeah. I was just going to say, I don't think it's a racial thing. I think it's that people associate all black with, with uh, like, ninjas and Navy SEALs. And... Yeah, you're saying he looks like the dog might be on SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Could be. He's a hero. Well, congratulations, man. And thanks, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on your program. I don't want to get a rap for making this an hour long. No, it's been an hour long for a couple weeks. It's not you. All right. Well, and I the fact thank, that you uh, just wrapped guest. it up at 60 minutes is amazing. <laughs> I want to thank my guest today. It was a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Will you you come back again sometime soon? I I, yeah. You have me next week. Yeah, I'll have you next week, and also uh, I I would like you to have me back on to talk about whatever your next MVL thing is. Maybe that's a good time to schedule. Yes, I'll do a promo circuit on my own podcast. Yep, perfect, perfect. Did (laughs) you have a question for Brett? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you, uh, your hot dogs, ladies, on Mm. hot dog, hot. Hot dogs, ladies, on Twitter, mm, and I am. Uh, it, and and you have Roderick on the line. Yeah, that's plenty. That's plenty. How that you've already said too much. I would just assume not be noticed. Yeah, right. I'm I'm out there. I'm out there. I'm out there, and I got more new stuff coming. Wait, do you see what's coming next, boy? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but uh, but thanks for having me on. I, I really I really enjoy your show. I love the diversity and the weirdness of your of your guests. There's the guy who gave himself he called himself Sir. That was yeah. super weird. It's so eccentric, wow. but he turned out to be so engaging to talk to. I don't know if I'd want a room with him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but he was a very, very interesting guy. I, I never thought to change my name like that. I should look into that. 
No, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. I and actually, I recorded... my friend Lady Merlin, man. <laughs> I recorded Hello. an episode with uh, with the uh, what would you say founder of uh, of Barebones BB Edit, Rich Stevens. Oh, which is going to be no. I just called him Rich Stevens. Rich Siegel. Rich Siegel. He's good people. Rich Stevens is the web comic. He that guy's no good. On. Stay away from that guy. He's trouble. But yeah, Rich Siegel. It, it, the problem was his uh, he, his parrots were very loud in the background. So I'm working on editing that to be not uh, not frightening. Mm. But yeah, that that one's coming out soon. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, it's, it, I've had a blast. Couple couple. 140 episodes so far. Wow. I've enjoyed everyone. Especially the ones with you, Merlin. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. I think I think you've been on this show more than anyone. That's how it should be, man. I like you more than other people. Everyone <laughs> says so. <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Smile and Casper for sponsoring this episode of the show. You can go to smilesoftware.com slash systematic to learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Scan Plus and go to casper.com slash systematic and use the offer code systematic to save $50 on any Casper mattress so that you can start sleeping more soundly. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Once again, Merlin Mann, thanks for being here. My and pleasure. Anytime. And we'll be back in a week. Do, 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 do. Another one. Another one in the can. Another one in the can.